Good morning, church. Good morning, Kavanaugh. We're glad that you're here. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Let's sing together. see you today. Glad everybody is here. Welcome those watching online. And for those in this room, howdy. howdy. 
Glad you're here. Man, I'm so glad everybody is here, but I'm very thankful that uh, Emma Grace is here. Uh, Kevin and Leah's new baby, Emma, this is her first Sunday. She may be asleep, so wake her up right now. Let her know that she's welcome in the Lord's house. Glad she's here. And I am so delighted Ron and Sandy are here. God bless you, Ron. Good to see you, buddy. Man. You are a sight for sore eyes. God bless you. Glad you're here. Welcome, everybody, to the Lord's house. Well, we're going to start the service off right with a baby dedication. So I'm going to ask little Duncan Tate if he would come up here. He can bring his brother and his mom and dad, and we are glad that they're coming up on the stage. You give this family a big hand, would you? They are awesome. And I'm so, so thankful for them. Y'all come up here and just stand center stage. And here we go. Man, Duncan Tate, welcome, buddy. And your big brother, Henry VIII. Henry, show me again how old you are, buddy. He's three. And uh, you are an awesome big brother, aren't you? I know you are, man. You're, you're awesome. Are you, do you love your baby brother? Do you love little Duncan? Yes. Yeah. Did y'all see that? Yeah. He does. J- Justin and Ivy, I want you to know God's blessed you guys. You know that. You, you have two fine-looking, awesome boys. And here's what I want you to know. The scriptures bear witness to the fact that of old, godly parents brought their children to the Lord. It's okay, Duncan. I'll, I'll, I'll hurry, okay? They brought their children to the Lord and to God's house to dedicate them to the service of the Lord. Uh, for example, oh, Hannah brought her child Samuel to the Lord. Johnny, she gave Samuel not only to the Lord, but also to the service of the Lord's house. Mary, the mother of Jesus, did the same thing. She brought Jesus to the Lord's house and dedicated him to the Lord when he was a baby. So I'm confident that God is going to honor your act of faith as you dedicate Duncan Tate to the Lord today. A couple of quick passages of scripture to guide you as you raise these boys. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, church, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Here it is. Listen to this, Ivy and Justin. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, and also when you're cutting down Christmas trees, all right? That's kind of a family joke there. But there it is. Ivy, throughout the day, look for opportunities that God gives you to teach these boys the truth that God loves them. And then you know this passage in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love that story in the Gospels, Brother Johnny, when, uh, when parents brought their kids to Jesus. The disciples got a little irritated because they thought Jesus was above these little kids. But Jesus says, no, you bring the kids to me, and I will bless them, for such is the kingdom of God. So Justin and Ivy, in presenting Duncan for dedication, you not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also your hope and desire that Duncan comes to know Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior as well. In order to obtain this holy end, it's going to be your duty as parents and as the extended family out there to teach him the fear of the Lord early, to watch over his education that he not be led astray, 
to direct his youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and his little feet to the Lord's house, to restrain him from all harmful associates and habits, and as much as in you lies, to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I ask you parents, will you endeavor to do this with the help of God? Fantastic. Congregation, I ask you, will you come alongside of these wonderful parents and assist them as they raise Duncan to find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for his life? If so, let them know with a, we will. We will. Fantastic. Wonderful. Right before we dedicate him to the Lord. Did you just give him something? Goldfish. Goldfish. I'm out. This is an awesome mama. She just told me she's out, so I need to hurry. Aren't you glad of goldfish? Man, this is a certificate that uh, signifies what we've done with Duncan today, dedicating him to the Lord. And also, Duncan, here it is. It's not a goldfish, but it's a letter that I've written to you. And when you turn 18, you open this letter, and it reminds you of what we've done today. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to hold you in a second. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, I encourage you to do so. Justin, here is a Bible with Duncan's name on it. I'm going to give that to you. And, buddy, I entrust you to teach him from this good book, all right? Yes, sir. And I have the big man. Can you, will you come to me, buddy? You're, you're wanting some goldfish. I don't have any. Right here we are. And Duncan, I love you, and I dedicate you to God and his service. May the Lord use you and bless you in his kingdom. Johnny, pray for this man. <laughs> Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for Duncan today, God. We know that he's fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. God, we know that uh, you have poured yourself into him. And, Lord, we just lift him up today and lift up his family. And, God, we just uh, go alongside of them to help raise him, Lord. We just pray for him that his life will be given to you. Thank you for this great blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dedicate you to the Lord, buddy. I love you, man. Isn't he great? Give him a big hand. Woo! He's awesome. Thank you, guys. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Love y'all so much. I'm proud of this family. Man, they, they love God, and they're plugged in, and they're doing everything they can to raise their boys right. That is awesome. Amen? <clears throat> y'all come on up here. We've had a lot of babies born during COVID, and I'm telling you, over the next several weeks, we're going to do a lot of dedicating. I love it. I love it. Keep having babies, and I'll keep dedicating them to the Lord, all right? Would you stand? Let's sing together.
all because of Jesus. I have a dear, sweet friend, y'all, that is just facing an unbelievable struggle right now. And for any of you who know the Fowler family or follow them on social media, you already know that their sort of family motto through this difficult time has become because of Jesus. And even though Jared went to be with the Lord this morning, any one of them will tell you that because of Jesus, we have hope for healing, because we have hope for heaven, and we have peace through the whole struggle because of Jesus. And his wife shared something this week that I want to pass on to you, and many of you have heard this before, but she said, for the unbeliever, the closest they'll ever get to heaven is earth. And that's heartbreaking. But for the believer, for us who are saved, and the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are saved because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, the closest we will ever get to hell is earth. And even though it feels like sometimes we are going through hell on earth, because of Jesus, we can have hope for healing and hope for heaven, and we can have peace. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, God, my prayer for you guys is, is that you would just gather up everything that you brought in with you this morning, yeah. <clears throat> whether it's fear or failure or struggles or temptation or anything that's heavy. I pray that you would just lay it at the foot of the cross and accept that gift of salvation because with it comes the power of Jesus and the hope for healing and the hope for heaven and the peace because of Jesus.
cause us to stumble and cause us to fall. And God, there's so many people within the sound of my voice today that are hurting, that are have heavy hearts this morning. And I'm so thankful, God, that if we bring those failures and those fears and those addictions and those struggles and those health issues and those things that cause us to stumble and we place them at the foot of the cross and we hand them over to you, God, that you're going to carry those for us. And I pray, God, that today everyone here and everybody online would call upon you today. If they don't know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that they would give their hearts over to you and that you would that they would allow you to carry these burdens and to save their soul because, God, we need you. We need you in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds. And I'm so thankful that when we call, you hear, and you send those answers. So today, God, I'm calling. I'm asking you to come and to fill this room and to fill these hearts and these minds and these people with your Holy Spirit. And again, God, we're so thankful for all that you've done for us and for how you've blessed us. I pray for Brother Will as he brings the message today, God, that you would speak through him and that we would all hear what it is we need to hear. I'm so thankful for you and for all that you've done for me and my family. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Can we sing that chorus just one more time, a cappella? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my you. Amen. Thank you, praise team. That was awesome. Give them a big hand. Appreciate their ministry and all they do to help us uh, worship the Lord. Uh, This is probably, I'm not going to say it's my final message on It's Our Turn campaign, but we're nearing the end. Last week, we had our commitment to the uh, three-year giving campaign to help pay for our new building. Today is First Fruits Offering, and so I'm going to preach a message from Luke chapter 6 on donation. Uh, This all started several weeks ago. I preached a sermon on attitude, and then the second week on the blessings that God gives to us. Last week was our commitment that we make to God, and today is about the donation that we give to the Lord. It's kind of like the ABCs of stewardship, and today's message comes from Luke's Gospel chapter 6. I'm going to be explaining verses 20 through 38, but I want to begin and end with this last verse, verse 38. So here it is, Luke's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus is the one talking, and Jesus said, give. And he's talking to his people, his disciples. He says, give. 
And I thought about if I was holding a mic, I have this mic, but if I was holding, I was just going to drop it and walk off the stage. Because enough said, right? Jesus is telling us to give. But he goes on and he says this. You give and it will be given back to you. Are you with me? You give and I will give back to you. And he shows us how he's going to give back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over is going to be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use in giving to me or to others, he says, it will be measured back to you. Drop the mic. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that as I try to speak these words on the outside, you would speak them into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he was not very well educated, and his manner was rather crude, but he had just gotten saved. And I'm telling you, he was on fire for the Lord. And he wanted to serve God in his local church. And so every day he was up at the church pestering the pastor for something to do. And finally the pastor gave him a name of ten families who had not been in church in a while. And this man's mission was to make contact with these families and encourage them to get back involved in church, the pastor supplied him with church stationery, envelopes, and stamps. At about three weeks later, the pastor received a letter from a prominent physician in town with a check for $10,000 in it. And here's what the letter said. Dear pastor, enclosed is my offering for the last few months. I am so sorry that I have been missing church, but rest assured I will be present this Sunday and every Sunday following. Sincerely, Bill Jones, M.D. P.S. Please inform your secretary, there is only one T in dirty and no C in skunk. Okay, let it soak in just for a second, all right? Of all my stories on stewardship, this has got to be my favorite, all right? You dirty skunk, all right? Any way to get them back, right? Oh, my lens. Can I say this? It's not the duration of your life that matters. It is the donation to life that you make that really counts. If you were to die today, what donation would you leave behind? Have you been a consumer or have you been a contributor in life? In this passage on giving in Luke chapter 6, Jesus did not have in mind how big your house is or how many cars you have or what kind of clothes that you wear because he knows that giving has little to nothing to do with your assets and it has everything to do with your attitude. And that's what we want to get right today, our attitude. So let's look at this passage. I'm going to back up and begin with verse number 20. Uh, listen to what Jesus said in verses 20 through 23. He lifted his eyes towards his disciples, his followers, and he said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are happy are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. 
For indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. So I, I want you to see what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying happy or blessed are the people who have no or little, and he lists them here. Blessed are you if you have no or little finances. Because in verse 20 he said, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who have no or little, number two, food. He says in verse 21, those of you who are hungry. And then number three, blessed are those of you who have little or no friends. In verse 22 he says, the people who hate you. Are you picking up what Jesus is putting down? Blessed are happy if you have little or no finances, food, or friends. But now I want to go on and read verses 24 through 26. But woe to you, wretched are you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers even to the false prophets. So now what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, woe and wretched is the person or the people who have, number one, a whole lot of finances. You're rich, verse 24. Woe or wretched are those of you who have a whole lot of food to eat, are full in verse 25. And woe and wretched are you when you have a whole lot of friends who speak well to you. Jesus is dropping a bombshell on his disciples. I'm sure that their heads are spinning around. This entire passage has to do with giving. And he begins by saying, blessed are you when you have very few finances, food, or friends. Woe to you who have a whole lot of finances, food, and friend. So, is Jesus anti-rich and pro-poor? <laughs> no, not at all. That not, has nothing to do with this passage. If you go back to verse 20, you see who he's talking to. He's talking to his disciples. And literally, his disciples had given up everything to follow him. And all of these guys would end up dying martyrs' deaths. So what Jesus is saying is this. If you give your life to God and to others, even though you may have very little, you're going to be blessed. Let that soak in. If you give your life, your time, your talents, your treasure to God and to others, even though it may be very little that you have, God's going to bless you. On the other hand, if all you do is collect and consume and store up and hang on to and are a stingy gut and are selfish, well, look at what Jesus said. He said in verse 24, you've already received your consolation. In other words, you better enjoy all of that stuff right here because it's as good as it gets. You right now are experiencing the best there is or there ever will be, so you better just eat it up. Wow. Man. Jesus has a way with words, does he not? This reminds me of a phrase that C.T. Studd gave. It was actually in a poem that C.T. Studd wrote. Y'all know C.T. Studd? In the 1800s, he was this great cricketer player and athlete. 
He got saved and then he became a missionary. I don't know if it's so much I like his story or his name. (laughs) I don't know. But here's what he said in this poem. You've probably heard this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Isn't that a great statement? You only got one life, only one life. It soon will be passed, but only what's done for Jesus is going to last. That's my second favorite C.T. Studd quote. Say, preacher, what's your favorite? My favorite is when he said, my prayer is that when I die, all of hell rejoices that I'm out of the fight. Man, what a great guy, huh? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You see, church, in stewardship and in life, you've got a choice. God has given you a free will. You've got a choice. Are you going to be a giver or are you going to be a taker? Are you going to be a consumer or a contributor? And understand, this has nothing to do with assets. It has everything to do with your attitude. So stop using the excuse, I've got nothing to give. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I like to use that that 3T category in what you have to give. Number one, you have time to give. All of us have the same amount of time during a day, 24 hours. And most of us get to choose what we do with that time. Even when we're working for the man or the boss, you can do what you want with your time. And you know what? You have time to give to God and to others if you want to. You all have talents. God has graced you and blessed you with something unique that you can do in God's kingdom and for the benefit of others. But it's your choice. What are you going to do with your talent? Sit on it or use it for the expansion of God's kingdom and world good. And yes, you do have treasures. You do. God's blessed you. God's been good to every one of you. You have the choice. What am I going to do with the stuff God gave me? But then Jesus goes on. This is tough, isn't it? Some of y'all are just wishing, would you hurry up and shut up? If it's tough now, just wait. Jesus makes it tougher. Notice what he says, this next verse. But I say to you, hear this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Would somebody answer this question for me? How many assets do you really need to love your enemies? How big does your checking account have to be before you do good to those who hate you? Or bless those who curse you? Or to do good to those who mistreat you? Do you see the big picture? It has nothing to do with your assets. It has everything to do with your attitude in being a giver to God. I told the first service this this true story that happened in a church in Dallas, Texas. I know the name of the church. I'm not going to say it, but it really happened. True story. Young businessman came to his pastor's office one day during the week and, and wanted his pastor to pray with him. He was about to start a new business and wanted God's blessing on his business. And so he said, Pastor, you've been preaching on stewardship. I want to make a covenant right here before God, with God, and before you that I'm going to tithe 10%. Whatever God blesses me with in this new company, 
10% of it's going to the Lord. Would you pray with me, Pastor? And so they both got down on their knees, and the pastor prayed this eloquent prayer, and this guy made this covenant with God. He was going to give 10%. Sure enough, that first year, God blessed him. He made $10,000. He gave $1,000 to God. And it was good. It felt good because he had made this covenant with God. A couple of years later, God really blessed him. He made $100,000 that year. And guess how much he gave to God? 10,000 bucks, 10%. And it felt good. God kept blessing his business. In a few years, he made a million dollars. And he gave a check to the church for $100,000. And it felt good to his soul. But a few years later, God really blessed him. And that year, he made five million bucks. And he came back to his pastor's office and knocked on the door and said, Pastor, I've got an issue here. I'm having a real hard time writing out a check for $500,000. I just... I really can't afford to do this. And so I'm asking you to pray with me to God and ask God to allow me out of this covenant. And so the pastor just got the true story. Pastor got down right beside his desk and started praying. And he prayed a long time. And finally this man put his hand on his pastor's shoulder and said, Pastor, Are you praying that God would let me out of this covenant of tithing? And the pastor looked up at him and said, No, I'm asking God to reduce your salary back down to 10,000 bucks so that you can love giving again. True story. Dude, let me tell you, it has nothing to do with your assets, whether it's $10,000 or $5 million. What it has to do with is your attitude towards stuff. And so Jesus gives us three truths about givers. And I'm going to go through these really quick so y'all listen fast. Three truths about givers. Number one, givers live on a higher road than most people. In life, there are two roads. Givers choose the high road and keepers walk the low road. Now, what separates the givers and the takers on this high road? Jesus tells us three things separate them. Number one, givers do good. That is, givers are positive activists. He tells us this in verse number 27. But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. To the one who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, Don't even ask those things back. That is, these people do the good thing and the right thing regardless. Givers who are walking the high road are actually walking around looking for people that they can bless, looking for people that they can give to, looking for people they can invest in their lives. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Socrates said, know thyself. Cicero said, control thyself. Jesus said, give thyself. Wow. People who have given their life to Jesus are always giving. See, Christianity is not a list of don'ts. How many times have you heard that? It's a list of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. You can't go here, you can't go there. No, Christianity is a list of do's. Do what? Well, love. Do good. Bless. Pray. Turn the other cheek. 
give and keep on giving. For those who are givers walking the high road, they're going around doing good. Let me tell you, our world needs more givers and fewer takers. That's a different subject, though, isn't it? Number two, givers do more than is expected. They go the extra mile. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back. Now, guys, the world doesn't understand this kind of living. This is crazy talk to the world, to the unnatural man. But it's the high road. It's us being salt and light in the world. You are loving and doing good, and you're giving to others, not expecting anything back. You're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. And that brings us to this third characteristic of the high road givers. They do good asking nothing in return. Look with me at verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and even to the evil. Here is one of the great paradoxes. That you lend and hope for nothing in return. And your reward is going to be great for that. You see, the bad steward is the one who gives and waits for something in return. They're not really givers, they're traitors. Are you with me? Both to God and to men. Jesus asked these people, what credit is that to you? If that's the way you're acting, just giving, hoping to get something back, either from God or from other people. What credit is that to you? Three times he asked that in verse 32, 33, and 34. What credit is that to you? On the other hand, the good steward gives without expecting anything in return. They just do it because it's the right thing to do. And they're wanting to be like God. Hmm. Let me ask you something. Do you, do you know people who keep score? We've taken them out twice. They've not even asked us over for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Eh? Are you with me? Jesus said, if you look at life like that, what credit is that to you? You're acting just like the world. You're acting like unsaved people. No, givers are bigger than that. Why? Because givers are walking down the high road. They are doing the right thing. Second truth about givers is this. Givers understand the principle of sowing and reaping. Y'all know that principle? You sow a seed, you reap something from that seed. I'm about to read this passage, verses 37 and 38. And when I come to the word and, bold and, I want you to say it out loud. Can we do that? Practice. And. and all right, good. Everybody do this. Judge not. And. You shall not be judged. Condemn not. You shall not be condemned. Forgive, you will be forgiven. Give, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
That is the principle of sowing and reaping. Now, let me tell you, the principle of sowing and reaping is not, I'm going to give you something now, and you give me something in return. That's not the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle of sowing and reaping understands that God is the source of all things. Everything is God's. You brought nothing into this world, guess what? You're going to take nothing out of this world. It's God's stuff. And if God has blessed you with stuff, you know what? You're the manager of that, and you need to be asking God, God, what do you want done with this stuff? When Jesus asked the question, what credit is that to you? That's what he's getting at. If this is the way you live life, verse 24 tells us what your reward is. You're going to have already received your reward. Okay? So don't be stingy. Don't be trying to keep everything because it's not yours. And if God wants you to invest it in the lives of others, you need to sow that seed of investment. Then also doing good without seeking the reward is part of sowing and reaping. You're going to be rewarded by God some way, somehow. Now, let, let me just break this down to, to It's Our Turn campaign, okay? Whatever commitment you've made for It's Our Turn, that's between you and God. I'm not going to come ask you about that commitment, talk to you about that commitment. That's your commitment to God. But I, here's what I know. I know somehow, some way, if you make a commitment and you give it, you sow that seed, God is going to give you something back. You're going to reap some kind of blessing. Now, it may not be money that you get back, okay? If you give $1,000 to It's Our Turn, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to get $1,000 back. But you know what? God's going to bless your effort. You've made an investment. How about this? This would be a pretty good deal. You give, you give $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000 for this new building. And because we have this new tool over here, this new building, we can attract new people. More people can come to Jesus. And let's say with our new We Worship Center over there, a new family starts coming to our church that has little kids. Why? Because we've got this new great facility, and that's what they're looking for, a great facility for their kids to come to church in, and so it draws them in. And in the course of time, they hear the gospel message, and they give their hearts to Jesus. And they raise those kids in our we worship. Then they graduate and go to Brother Johnny. And then when they get a little older, they come to Brother Nathan. And through that experience, God calls them into ministry, and they become preachers or missionaries. You think about that. Think about the investment that you made. Maybe God didn't give you the cash money back, but I'm telling you, he's giving you so much more in return, and the kingdom is being blessed because you sowed a seed. Isn't that awesome? Let me tell you a true story of how this works. Y'all know the name Winston Churchill? Okay. When Winston Churchill was a little kid, his family went to visit friends in Scotland. They had a big swimming pool in the backyard. Churchill jumped in. He started cramping. He was going under. Nobody saw him. He was drowning. Except for the gardener, okay, the man who was the gardener of that estate, his teenage boy, a young man by the name of Alexander Fleming, he saw Churchill drowning. He jumped in the swimming pool and saved young Churchill, saved his life. Mr. Churchill, the old man, was so grateful that he told this teenage boy, I'm going to pay for your college. Wherever you want to go to college, I'm going to pay the expense. And Alexander Fleming had the desire to go to medical school. 
Can I tell you, there is no way his father, who was a gardener, was going to be able to send him to medical school. But Churchill did. And Fleming went to medical school, graduated. Let's jump forward, leap several years in advance. Winston Churchill is now an adult, an older man. He's way down in Egypt. He gets pneumonia, and he's about to die. But guess who comes to see him? Alexander Fleming, who has just invented a new medicine called penicillin. And for the second time, Alexander Fleming saves Winston Churchill's life. Do you see the big picture of how this works? Mr. Churchill sowed a seed into Fleming's life. He paid for his expenses to go to college. That seed sprouted. And our entire world benefited, but the Churchill family benefited twice. That comes from a verse, cast your bread upon the water, and in many days it's going to return to you. So, friend, let me tell you, just keep sowing the seed, and you will reap the benefit. Then finally, number three, givers are blessed by God. Let's go to verse 38, my key verse for today. Jesus said, give. Everybody say give. Jesus said to give. That's it. You give. Why does Jesus want us to give? Because God gives. Our God is a giving God. Jesus gave everything for you. And he's saying, if you're going to be my follower, he's talking to his disciples, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to learn how to give. But then he gives this this promise, this blessing. You give, and it's going to be given to you. And then he describes how it's going to be given to you. It's going to be a good measure. That is, it's going to be an honest measure. Now, at the end of the verse, he says, whatever you measure out in giving, that's the same measure that's going to be used in giving back to you. So if you give a little, guess what? You're going to get back a little. If you give a lot, you're going to receive a lot back. Okay, we got that? But in the first part of the verse, he talks about a good measure. It's an honest measure. No trickery, no deception. If you give to God and to others, God is going to measure it right back to you. And he tells us how God's going to do this. God is going to press it down. Now, envision with me a, a, a bowl of, let's say, wheat, okay? It could have been something that they were giving back in that day, a bowl of wheat. He's got this bowl of wheat. The, the, the one giving it back to you is going to press it down so that he could get more in there. It's an honest measure. Okay? So he presses it down. Then what does he do? He shakes it a little bit to get all the air pockets out of it because he wants you to have an honest measure given back. And then after he presses it down and shakes it, he's going to even pour more into it where it's running over. Y'all get excited. This is good. You give, God is going to give back in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and he's going to put it in your bosom. Now, Brother Will, what in the world is he talking about? Well, back in Jesus' day, everybody wore robes, an outer garment. And they would have these big robes. They would put part of the material into their belt or their girdle, and it would form kind of a, a pouch that they could carry stuff around in. It was a front pocket. Now, in my imagination, what, what I saw was a 1980s fanny pack. Okay, that's a bad image, okay? But that's what he's talking about. 
You give, God is going to give back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's going to pour it in your pocket. Somebody say, woo! Feel that coming in my pocket right there. And then he goes on to say this, for with the same measure that you use, it's going to be measured back to you. Now, we don't go into this thing expecting God to bless us back. That's not the reason we do it. We give because it's just the right thing to do, and I want to be like God. But here's the promise. If I give with the right motive and the right reason, God is going to bless me. And let me tell you, you can't outgive God. I've tried a few times, and it don't work, man. God will bless you if you give to him. Now, giving becomes a habit of life. One last story, it's John D. Rockefeller Sr. Do you know he was a billionaire at the age of 50? Imagine that. But he was eaten up with sickness. This was a greedy man, not a giver at all. At age 53, he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're going to be lucky to live through this year. He survived on crackers. That entire year, he just ate crackers and drank milk. And he was worried about his billion dollars. He didn't want to leave it for just anyone, so he decided maybe the best thing is start picking places and giving my money away. And so he started giving to churches and to hospitals and medical advancements through the Rockefeller Foundation. And what happened is this very unique thing. He said the poison that was in his system was released when he started giving his money away. And guess what? That old man lived to 90 years old. Some of you are killing yourselves because you're only concerned and consumed with yourself. And through the years, you have become bitter and angry and stingy. Can I tell you something? It's not about the duration of your life that counts. What matters is the donation you make back to life. And guys, let me tell you, more than anything else, I want you to learn how to be a giver because our God is a giver. And God blesses givers. God's blessed this church. Dude, let me tell you, God has blessed Kavanaugh Church. You know why? We're a giving church. We're not stingy. We invest in kingdom things. And I know that if you give, God is going to bless you. But you know what? All that starts when you give him your heart. That's where it's got to start. Because, again, it's not about assets it's about your attitude. And if your heart is not right, it doesn't matter how much time, talent, or treasure you give. So get your heart right. In fact, I'm just going to ask for your seat to just to bow your heads right now. And just ask, Lord, is my heart right? Maybe you're here and you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Today could be the greatest day in your life when you invite Jesus into your heart. He gave everything for you. He gave his life to save you from your sins. So would you receive Jesus and his gift of salvation? If you'd like to be saved today, all it takes is a very simple prayer, something like this. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I confess you as Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. And then you can say amen and follow him. It all begins when you give him your heart, and I pray that you've done that. And then, like today, it, it, it continues as we give him the stuff of our life.
Now, I'm about to finish, but before I do, I want to take you to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David, the king, is old. He's about to die. David's desire was to build a house for God, a temple for the Lord to reside in. He wanted to do that before his death, but God wouldn't let him. You know why? Because David was a man of war. Blood was on his hands. And so God said, David, I'm not going to let you build this house for me, but I will let your son Solomon build the house. And so David is going off the scene. He calls Solomon to his side, his son. All the people were there. And here's what he said to the people. My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the task before him is great. He's going to build this massive house of the Lord, and we need to help him. I want you to pray for him and support him, and I want you to give so that this house can be built. And King David started the giving himself. The Bible lists all the stuff that he gave so that the house of God could be built. That was so motivating that the leaders of Israel came forth and they brought their gifts. And they gave their gifts. The people were so inspired because their leader David and all the other leaders had given that they came and they gave. And there was a great celebration because everyone had given with a glad heart. In fact, so much was given, they told them to stop giving. I can't wait to tell y'all that. Stop giving. And there was great celebration. Why? Because the people sowed the seed they gave. So here we are. This new building is about done. We've got to pay for it now, guys. We've been in this campaign. We started the campaign a year ago. So this is nothing new. You, you knew this was coming. It's just coming down the pike. You've had a long time to pray about it. Last week you made your commitment. If you weren't here, please turn your commitment card in. We, we need to know how much you're committing so that we can make the arrangements that need to be made. You can do that today or next week. But today we're going to start giving towards that commitment. It's First Fruit Sunday. And so you know what? We're going to do it just like they did in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You, you can't beat doing it the Bible way, can you? So I'm the leader. I brought you into this mess, didn't I? And I'm not going to ask you to do anything that we're not willing to do. So Angie and I are going to be the first ones to give today to It's Our Turn campaign. Let me tell you, we've seriously prayed about this. We made our commitment for three years, but we also had a long discussion on what is going to be our first fruit offering? And we agreed that we're going to give the biggest gift that we've ever given at one time to our church, Kavanaugh Church. You know why? We believe in what we're doing. We believe that it's our turn to do something great for the kingdom of God. So I'm not asking you to do anything that we're not willing to do and that we're not doing. We're sacrificing so that this building can be built and people can be saved and lives can be changed. So, Miss Angie, would you drop that in? You do it again. You do it again. Okay, well, I'll do the other well, I'm, Let's do it together. Okay. Here we go. There we go. There's our gift we gave to the Lord. That feels good. It really does. It feels good. Because I know God's going to use that tool over there to turn the river valley upside down. And I'm glad to be a part and able to do my part. So now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Please understand this is not to put pressure on you. I saw people giving when they came in. 
Some of you are, have already given, and that's fine. You gave them those black boxes out there. That's super. No problem. Those watching online, you're going to give online. That's cool. No problem. But if you want the blessing of coming and, and presenting your offering as a gift to the Lord today, I want to give you that opportunity as well. So here in a moment after I pray, you can bring your offering and just put it in one of these boxes. I'm going to ask our leaders to be the first ones to pop up and then the rest of our people to do it. And as you're coming, as you're walking down the aisle to give your gift, I'm just asking you to do this. Say, Lord, I'm bringing a part of me. I'm giving the best I have. And I pray that you would use not only my gift, but me and my family to build your kingdom. And just drop it in the box. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your love and your goodness to us. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd bless this offering. May it be the biggest offering Kavanaugh Church has ever taken up. May it be used to expand your kingdom and see people saved. Dear Lord, bless the investors, those who are giving. May we understand that we're, we're sowing a seed that is going to reap eternal rewards. And dear Lord, help us to give with joy in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Everybody just stand. And if you feel comfortable in coming, you can come right now. is a historic day for Kavanaugh Church. Let's give God a big hand, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Well, you can sit down just for a second. I'm not going to keep you long, but let me just share a few things that are about to happen. Um, we're going to keep giving our first fruits offering next week, and then the following week on the 16th of May, we're going to have a big celebration service. We're going to announce how much was pledged over the three-year time period, and how much the first fruit offering is. So hang with us another week. If you haven't turned in your pledge card, you still have time to do that. That's going to be on May the 16th. Next Sunday, next Sunday, we're not even going to talk any about stewardship. You know what we're talking about next Sunday? Mamas. Because it's Mother's Day. And let me tell you, mothers make this world a better place, don't they? They literally make this world go round and round. Thank, thank God for mothers and goldfish. Okay. Amen? 
Amen. So moms, come back next week. I've got a gift for you. It's going to be fantastic. Then on the 16th, we're going to have celebration day. On the 23rd, it's going to be graduation day. If you're graduating from high school or college, please make contact with Brother Devin or Brother Nathan. They need your information. Tonight at 6.30, Bible study is going to be online on our Facebook page. Don Smith is going to teach an awesome lesson, so tune into that. 7 o'clock Wednesday, we have church here. And then Thursday, this Thursday at noon, is a national day of prayer. And there are going to be believers from all across our community in the River Valley meeting outside at the courthouse at noon, praying for our nation. And if you would like to do that, you can join them downtown at the courthouse on this Thursday. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of this great work. Amen? I'm, I'm glad Kavanaugh is my church for life, and I'm so happy that you're a part of it. Thank you all for being here. Ron, it just does my heart good to see you, buddy. I love you so much. We, we are blessed. We are blessed to have you in our service, and we're praying God continue to do a miracle in your life. Let's stand. We're going to pray, and we're going to get out of here. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for, for the great day you've given to us. I thank you, dear Lord, for Ron and Sandy. And I pray, I pray healing in his body. I pray, dear God, that you would just love him and be good to him. Let him know that, that every day we lift him up to you, Lord, and we're expecting great things done through you in his life. Thank you for every person in this room. May your blessings be on our families, our children, and their future generations as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Walk out with a smile on your face, all right?